Welcome to Famous Lost Words. I'm Tom Jokic with Christopher Ward. This week, we're honoring the newest inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And this time, it's Lionel Richie. This chat is from 2001, and it's Lionel in conversation with Marilyn Dennis. Marilyn and I worked really hard together on this interview, but we barely needed to because Lionel was just one of those dream guests. He talks about his favorite songs in this interview, uh, songs from his solo career and with the Commodores, and his biggest regret. And he also talks about working with Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson and much, much more. This interview is from episode 506. And just a reminder that we have more than 100 episodes to choose from that cover the gamut of musical styles. Okay, let's have a listen. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie, all night long from 1983. Tom, this week we have another classic Marilyn Dennis interview. You thought I was going to say another classic Journey interview, but no, <laughs> with one of the most charming and talented artists of the 1970s and beyond, Lionel Richie. This chat's from the early 2000s and covers lots of ground, partly due to the contribution of listeners who called in with their questions for Lionel at the time. Right. Now, this time period was the beginning of a decline in Richie's career sales-wise, but his popularity as a performer never waned. And a 2012 album of hits done with country artists put him back on the top of the charts. In her usual way, Marilyn gets the answer she's looking for, whether it's on soft-toss questions like Lionel's favorite songs from his repertoire, or more sensitive topics like his divorce. She gets to the latter by asking about the growing power of tabloid culture at the time. Yes, and Lionel has some very strong opinions about it all. We are now in information hell, if you will. You know, we people are dying to know more, more, more. Too much information. Yeah, and I, if, I'm afraid that what's going to happen with all of this great information is that there will be no more heroes. Mm. Because there's got to be something private that stays private that we don't know about, that we we don't want to know what's happening in the bedrooms. We, I don't want to know. Mm -hmm. But but in this case, what happened with me was, I'm from Alabama, so it's hard enough going through a divorce privately uh -huh. without having it discussed or reviewed in the press. It... it, it it taught me a great deal. I mean, I have a tougher skin because of it. Yeah. But I'm also in public life. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I had to just go, okay. But there's a point now when you start seeing a person in the backyard of their home in their pool, and you can see nude shots of them if somebody can get across the fence and take a shot of you. So it, I think with this information now and of course now they download it on the oh yeah they got it all over not only place across now. town yeah. but it's on the but you have a, you had a daughter with Brenda am I right Nicole Nicole how and how old is she she's 19 years old whoa what's she up to <laughs> let me tell you now that this is my this is my hip consultant now ah you know dad you're not gonna wear that are you or dad put this on or, mm -hmm. or and also I'm getting the fact that another things are happening as I take her out to lunch and dinner now all of my friends are going. So, uh, Lionel, who's the babe? <laughs> Excuse me? That's my daughter. Thank That's you, guys. That's my daughter. Yeah, you know. But she, she weathered well through all of that. Well, only because we did not make that an issue. Yeah, that's good. That was the good thing. And, and I must say that after all of these years, my ex and I are now in good uh, spirits. That's and, great. And so it's, it's good. That's excellent. Mary, listening to Chum FM in Toronto, has a question. Hi, Mary. Hi. What's your question? Um, just wanted to know if there was something that you had to change in your whole career, what would it be? That's a good question, Mary. Yeah, you know what? I I think it would be. I think I missed the the opportunity to have the farewell tour for the Commodores with the Commodores. Mm -hmm. I I left, and we didn't get a chance to do that big 
I'm leaving kind of thing or we're breaking up or whatever the case. Because we didn't know we were breaking up. We just, I always thought it was just going to be to blow off some steam for a minute. We'll take a couple of months off. Do other projects. Yeah, and we'll realize that we can't let this happen and yeah. we'll get back together. By the time I got to the second album, mm-hmm. all night long, the rocket was off the launching pad. It was gone. But I, I always regretted the fact that we didn't put the period is there a reunion in, in progress at all? Well, to tell you the truth about it right now, we have only two guys left of the original Commodores in the Commodores. And the rest of these guys, there's four of us that are out of the group completely. Mm. So we have to, first of all, get them back in. And then secondly, the farthest away is Ronald LaPrade, who's living in Auckland, New Zealand. Oh, wow. But he's doing fabulous over yeah. there. But I think I think what I'm going to do is on this world tour yeah. that I'm going to pull off in a minute, okay. I'm going to bring the Commodores on stage as a surprise somewhere in town or mm-hmm. somewhere in the world. Okay. I'm afraid that if I get them on stage, the problem will then be getting them off the stage. Because <laughs> I think once the lights hit them again, they'll, they'll know. All right. Well, we look forward to that. I hope that happens. That would be just great for all of us. Yeah, and to my knowledge, they never did get around to that reunion. By the way, that is Nicole Richie that they were referring to earlier, who eventually became briefly more famous than her father, especially because of her reality TV show with Paris Hilton. Oh, the irony. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel talks about his favorite songs, Commodores and Solo. What is your favorite song of yours? What that do you is like? so difficult. Would oh, you want me to divide a little bit? How about the favorite Commodore, Commodore song? Commodore, there we go, there we go. And let's do, let's do your solo first, and then let's go into the Commodores. My solo stuff, would, I mean, it's got to be All Night Long and Hello, you know, yeah. as far as that's concerned. Um, um, I think probably We Are The World was the most meaningful song because of the fact that it did so much good. When I wrote that song with Michael, yeah. it, was, it was, I didn't even realize that it was going to be quite the... Huge. It was amazingly mm-hmm. huge. And I remember Michael calling me on the phone one day and said, turn on the television set. And there, they showed split screen of four countries. Uh, there was London, um, New York, mm-hmm. L.A., and Tokyo. And they were all singing at various parts of their day and night, We Are the World. They mm-hmm. were showing how, by the time it all went around the world, people were in the streets singing this song. It's amazing. It is amazing. It really, it really went beyond... It's like having a child and the child becomes, you know, you don't know what this is going to be. Well, you guys did a lot of good there, too. And I know there's a Michael Jackson connection we're going to talk about a little later on. Good. Favorite song, Commodores? <sighs> Easy Like Sunday Morning. That's what I wanted you to say. <laughs> you know that a record is, is, has gotten to you when people want to hum the guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> now, they get down to that and they <laughs> hum right. the guitar solo. I'm telling you, Thomas McClary should just go on his own and just be the guitarist forever playing one note. Zoop, you know, it's it. so funny. Our producer, Tom, just said he should have won a Grammy just for that. That's <laughs> excellent. Here's what I want to ask you. I'm ready. The question is, when you are in the studio and you finish a song, how do you know when the song is finished? You know, that is probably one of the hardest questions because the answer is I don't know. You it, don't know. You just know. It's um, There's a moment when you say it's done. Mm-hmm. And there's always something you can do extra. I've learned a, a great line from Quincy Jones who said, every time I wanted to add something new, I said, Quincy, I, I think I want to put something else on the record. He said, do it on stage. Save it for the live Save show. Save it for the live show. Yeah, that's a good idea. And, right. and it's true because it'll when you get bored on stage and you want to find the extra thing to play, play mm-hmm. it on the live show. But you will find that how do I know? If, there are only 12 notes on the piano. Mm. There are only 12 notes. This is 30 years later. 
how am I able to, I don't know. How do songwriters write anymore? I don't know. It's just that the melody comes up and everyone goes, that's a new song. And you go, that's a new song? I'm like, <laughs> how did that happen? There's only 12 notes. Uh, you know, so, yeah. so you don't really know. I, I just know that it's time to turn around and say, put it out. Mix it. It's over. Do you ever go back very quickly, because Giselle's waiting patiently on the phone, do you ever go back and listen to the other songs? Not that we think that they need to be retooled, but you go back and, you know, listen to a song that you wrote for the Commodores or yourself and go, gee, you know, if I just would have done that. I give you a perfect example. Okay. There's Easy is a perfect example. Really? We left off two sections of guitars. Ah! And James Carmichael, I left town because we were going on tour, and I said, James, would you add the other two parts on for me and leave? Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't have time. He just mixed it as it was. Well, I gave him grief about that for two and a half to three months, thinking that he has ru- he's ruined the song. Oh. Well, when it became a hit... No, no big deal. <laughs> you forgot. You don't remember. It's I okay. forgot. You know? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> he is so likable in this interview, and he's right. Easy was his best song with the Commodores, and that guitar solo, that guy alone, should have won a Grammy Award just for that do-do-do-do, whoop, that part there. I also like the great (laughs) advice that he got from Quincy Jones about adding extra stuff to songs, right? Lionel wanted to add more stuff, more stuff, and Quincy said, no, no, leave it for the live shows because then it really spices it up a little bit for the audience. I love that piece of advice. Hmm. We get a surprise answer to the question of what he listens to during tough times. Laura's on the phone. What can we do for you? Well, first of all, I just want to say I've been a really long-time fan of Lionel Richie's. Hi, Lionel. How are you, sweetheart? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Anyway, um, I just wanted to let you know that um, your Can't Slow Up a Down album with Mm. uh, the song Love Will Find a Way, Uh, it got me through some really difficult times in my teens, and I always thought that if I ever met you, I would say thank you so much. Oh, that's so sweet. I'll I'll tell you a funny story that happened to me, speaking of those songs. Uh, when I was going through my tough time, I had a dear friend of mine from Alabama to call me on the phone, and he said, I'm going to send you some inspirational tapes that will help you get through this very tough period of your, mm. your life. And I said, please, send me. I would love to have something to listen to. He sent me my catalog. Oh, my God. Oh, you're kidding. What a great and idea. And he said, he said, it's your time to listen to your words because we've, we've all been able to get through tough times dependent on, on your words. words. Yeah. He said, now it's your turn to listen. That's and it was a story. great, great... I, I, I cried on songs that I'd, I'd written before that never took it to meaning mm. like it meant at that period that I was going through. Still to come, Lionel faces the reality of what his music means to his fans and talks about walking through the halls of Motown for the first time. Welcome back to Famous Lost Words as we continue with Lionel Richie and Marilyn Dennis. That's right, Christopher. This interview is from February 4th, 2001, and Lionel is talking to Marilyn to promote his sixth solo album, Renaissance. And during this interview, Lionel spent a lot of time talking to his fans. Kelly's uh, on the phone. Hey, Kelly. Hi. Hi, you're talking to Lionel Richie live. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for putting me on. No problem. What's your question, please? Well, I just wanted to say thank you for Lionel. Because the day that I first heard Angel on the radio was with Marilyn. It was October the 12th. That is my sister's birthday. And she is truly my angel on earth because she gave me her her kidney as a transplant. Wow. Two years ago. And there's no words to express. Now, now you know what? I have to tell you something. <laughs> the, the, the wonderful thing about the how songs 
are interpreted. Ugh. Now, when I wrote Angel, mm. I never would have thought of how it would affect or impact someone else's life. Well, you I'm have a very special person there in your life. I tell you, that is such a great story. I have a whole new outlook on Angel. Oh, that's great. That's a really nice story, too. Well, thank you so much. Give her a hug and a kiss for me, too, would you please? I definitely will. She's listening in Suzanne Marie right at the moment. Oh, Very wonderful good. story. That's that's really great nice. story. Okay, we're going to play Stuck on You. You have a little background doesn't from that, 1984. Doesn't that, doesn't that story just lump your throat up right there? Yeah. Going, Why am I lumping up here a little bit here? Big time. Okay, Stuck on You. Let's just segue No, here. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm, so trying, I'm trying to get these tears. I'm trying to hold myself uh, back. So, Stuck on You, 1984. What's the background of the song? Stuck on You is a, a very interesting... I'm in Tuskegee, Alabama, visiting home. And uh, I decide that I'm going to drive up to Auburn University. And on the way back, someone said, let's stop off and have breakfast right here at this truck stop. Mm -hmm. Best breakfasts in the world are at truck stops. You got you it. You have to know that. I walk in the door, and there's a guy with a cowboy hat and cowboy shoes so pointed, I felt he was in pain. But he, <laughs> but he wasn't. He, was, he came over to me, and he said, Lionel, Lionel, I want to tell you, buddy. He said, I fell in love with this girl. I'm stuck on her. I'm stuck on a boy. And I mean, I never would have in a million years thought of that phrase as being something, but it just stuck with me that this guy said, I'm stuck on a line. Stuck on I'm stuck on that <laughs> line. I'm telling you, I've had people walk up to me, and I, I said this story on, on my stage show. Yeah. 240-pound man walks up to me and says, uh, Lionel, I've made love to you many times, boy. <laughs> And I said, that's a lie. You know, that's a lie. But he said, no, no, I mean, you put I know, I know. I understand what I'm saying. I do. Stuck on you. Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on my way. Stuck on you, Lionel Richie from 1984. Great song and a great story. Time for a little history. Going back to when the Commodores first walked in the door at Motown Records. Francis is on the phone for you, Lionel. Hi, Francis. Hi, Marilyn. How Hi, are you? How are you, sweetheart? Thank you. Hi, Lionel. So nice to talk to you. Uh, What's your question? My question for Lionel uh, is, uh, would he do another collaboration with Michael Jackson, one of my favorites as well mm -hmm. as you, Lionel? And I wondered if you ever planned on working with Michael again. Well, the thing about it is right now, Michael is finishing up his album, and I'm on tour. The, we are probably going to do something together because we have been trying our best to get together and do this, but now that he's turned into Papa Jackson, it's hard to have that free time like he used to, but uh, that is something I do want to do again. That's great. Now, you've known Michael since he was how old? Seven years old. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I'm so happy that he finally made it to 40. I just, when I say made it, every, he kept saying, you guys are the old guys, aren't you? And I kept saying, yes, Michael, we are. But finally... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you about uh, the whole uh, Motown moving to Los Angeles and your first day at what Mot you call Motown, Motown University. University. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, you have to understand, I was a fan. Uh, and uh, being a kid, the front row of every Smokey Robinson concert or Temptations concert, and all of a sudden, here I am walking in the front door of the studio uh, on Famosa Street in, in L.A., mm -hmm. and there, and there's Marvin Gaye, there's Smokey Robinson, there's the Temptations, they were all in the room, and the guy came in, and they said, Hi, little brother. Welcome to Motown. Wow. And that was hard stop right there. How did you, how did you feel, though? Like, did, were you, did you feel that, oh, what am I doing here? Or, no. or I've really made it, and no. this is great. To show you the power of signing the Motown deal was it didn't phase us one moment that 
that we were not going to make it. We signed the Motown contract. In other words, everybody that signed the contract, we thought at that time, was going to make it. We Mm. didn't realize that hundreds of groups would come in and sign. They just didn't make it. But we just knew that the Commodores were going to make. We were around this kind of talent. And the interesting thing that you say before we take Layla's call is the fact that you... Marvin didn't really read music. Marvin didn't read music. Norman Whitfield, who wrote all of the Temptations uh, songs. Barry Gordy did not read music. Smokey Robinson, I mean, I'm telling these guys, the talent was in Can You Hum It? Mm. If you can hum it, the world can hum it. Does Lionel Richie uh, read music? Not now. Quincy Jones told me a a wonderful story. Henry Mancini called me on the phone and said, I want to meet with you, Lionel, you and me and Sammy Conn, a few of the guys want to meet with you. What they want to do was welcome me in. And and I thought, oh, my God, they're going to give me a quiz on songwriting. And and I called Quincy on the phone and said, you've got to teach me some music. And he said, I'll teach you music the day you retire. Right now, you don't know you're breaking the rules. That's great. Great advice once again from Quincy Jones. And about the Motown years, it's funny Janet Jackson had much the same experience meeting Marvin Gaye and Smokey Robinson, but she was a child at the time. You can imagine Lionel Richie signing to Motown, thinking, hoping that it was going to lead to the big time, and it did for him, but it didn't for all of them. And he's just wide-eyed, and there he is um, seeing Marvin Gaye and Smokey Robinson and so many of the other uh, big artists, including Diana Ross, who he worked with, on Endless Love, one of the top songs from 1981. Lionel Richie on Famous Lost Words. 